0: But that L is what took me to Oakland, where my life completely turned around. I guess now what I'm saying is I realize that you just keep living, you just survive, and at some point you're going to thrive. But it's never over until your clock runs out. This is New Geechee.
1: My name is Kiana, and my friends call me Kiki and welcome to my new podcast, New Geechee from South Cat, Jersey, Boston, and now the West Coast. I'm giving YMPs what they need the most. That's inspiration to dream big and motivation to go. And good vibes only. That's all that Kiki knows. So kick off your shoes and relax your feet. And vibe with me, Kiki. This is New Geechee Hey. Welcome to the Nugichi Podcast. This is your favorite YMP Kiki. I am just overjoyed that you have joined it on today. The Nugichi Podcast is the podcast where we create conversations that document the journeys of young, melanated professionals. And in a time where positive representation matters, the journeys shared will set the blueprint for current and future generations to actualize what is possible and give them the power to live with purpose. It is the holiday season and I just wanted to make sure that I brought you all this very special episode because this year has absolutely been one for the books. I don't know about you, but the one thing that just has stood out to me in 2020 is grief. We're all grieving. (laughs) But I wanted to remind you that within your grief, the things that we see and the things that we don't see, you are not alone. And today we get the chance to hear from national television host and media personality, Miss Charity Bailey. You may have seen her smile on Right This Minute as she tells the stories that move our culture forward and shares viral video sensations, all while bringing her personality and unapologetic black womanhood to the screen. What you don't know is that behind that smile is a woman who is grieving the loss of her father, all while trying to navigate the world of television, which has been very unconventional for her. That's what we're going to be discussing today. Also, her YMP journey as a journalist who has gone from California to North Carolina to Arizona, and how she's been able to turn her pain into passion with her new web series on YouTube titled Girl, We Need to Talk It is amazing in knowing charity for the last four plus years one thing has always stuck out to me about her something that my grandmother always reminded me of and that is simply keep living (laughs) see life is one hell of a ride and if we're willing to take it and put our seatbelts on we're going to experience some very beautiful and almost not so beautiful experiences that we can learn from YMP's never stop learning from your experiences never stop pursuing your dreams because in the words of the great gospel songwriter Donnie McClurklin we fall down but we get up I'm so excited for you to join in on this conversation and I pray 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 that your heart is healed as you tune in where would you say Charity Bailey has been and where is Charity Bailey headed
0: Woo, child. Charity Bailey has been to hell and back again, and she's headed toward greatness. Um, I believe that there is always purpose. And I know it sounds cliche, purpose and pain, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, God has orchestrated my life, I believe our lives, uh, from the mm-hmm. beginning to the end. You know? Um, Come on now. You know, the Bible says that he knew us while we were in the womb. And it's like, Yep. As my life is unfolding, I couldn't have written it better. I had all these plans as a young person and God is connecting the dots. And so even the bad things and the things that weren't so good or maybe I felt went south or went left, they all still work together for my good. And so, everything from like, you know, growing up in the hood and seeing some of the things that I saw and kind of feeling like the underdog, transitioning into, you know, going after my dreams and going after my goals uh, to become Mm -hmm. a journalist, losing it all and like being in the pits of what I felt like was hell at the time, being unemployed for two years in the middle of a recession, uh, and then just emerging and coming back as the national television host, termed web series producer and creator. Uh, yep. But all of this makes sense now. It didn't make sense as it was happening. Yeah. And so what it's taught me though, is that it really does all work together. And so now when I find myself in the midst of turmoil, the question is, what is this? Why? And how am I supposed to move forward with? Pastor Stephen Furtick recently uh, taught a series on asking the right questions. And that really hit home for me. Cause mm. it's like, you know, we ask God, all of these questions but are you asking the right questions those questions that are going to take you to the other side and help you understand where this is headed that's the whole sermon child (laughs)
1: amen yes and amen you know one couple things one i love that you have not been afraid to understand like where god sits in all of this and how god is our master creator we've been talking about creatives and what i can make and what i can do but we got to understand like we come from the master creator Mm -hmm. right who literally saw it all before we could even experience it and so one thing that i value most about you is that Yes, those moments were hard and you're not afraid to tell the truth of what has happened in your life, but you're like, but look, you can make it. And one of the biggest things that people don't have is hope, hope for the future, Mm -hmm. hope for what can actually happen. Funny enough, had a conversation today. I was telling somebody, I was like, when I was a kid, I did not understand how people did drugs. I did not understand why Barbara called Shirley. Those things were like high, yeah. high level. Yeah, <laughs> how could you? Like you can't do it. But Grandma said, "Keep living."
0: Girl, my daddy used to say that. Hey, just keep living. And now i will be like, "Whoo, just keep yeah. living, <laughs> just keep living,"
1: because you'll see yeah. how all of these things keep coming back and how they show up and how you get from one thing to the next.
0: So mm-hmm. it's all ebbs yeah. and flows, mountains and valleys. I'm 39 and as I approach 40, I'm starting to understand my mom as a woman, my dad as a man, my dad as a dad, but both of them as humans, you know, my mom's faith was so unshakable and I'd be freaking out about stuff. And now as I approach 40 and I've lived and survived some things, I get it. I'm like, okay, because Mm -hmm. they realize that we're literally just going, you know, faith to faith, victory to victory, We take L's, but it doesn't mean it's the end. And one of the things my dad used to say to me often was as long as you got time on the clock, you can win. And, it's so crazy because I was watching football the other night and I was like, my daddy, man, it's the Cardinals game. So you got 36 yeah. seconds left on the clock. Cardinals are behind. And I literally said to a friend, my dad used to look at me and say, you think he got it? Because Brett Barb was that dude. And I'm a football <laughs> fan, but I'm also a woman. And at the time I was a little girl and I've always craved stability. And I'm like, listen, you could be a good QB, but if I don't trust you, and that's also in life too, I got to yeah. trust you. I got to trust that if you got the rock with 30 seconds left, you can put it up and we You score you're gonna do everything you can for us to win and so when that happened I said that to my friend and I kid you not Kyler Murray puts the ball up and DeAndre Hopkins comes down with it with like two a second or two left on the clock and I was like oh my gosh and it just so Mm -hmm. many of my life lessons came from us watching sports football and boxing in particular but I was like as long as you got time on the clock you can win you can still win and to your point about just keep living, when I lost my job in 2008 and we were in the middle of a recession and I was unemployed for two years and places told me that I was overqualified and I finally you know, got a job as a customer service representative and I was just like, my life is over, my credit is shot, like I can't find a job and I'm 30 and I'm thinking everything's over. Thirty and really, yeah. But the thing is, nobody told us back in the day about quarter life crisis and like things are gonna go south. And I read this book called Halftime, and I realized I was in the halftime of my life at that in that stage of it. I'm gonna have another halftime. It was like okay, Charity. After I read that book, I was like, it's perfect for me. My sister recommended it because her church was reading it, but she's like, you only understand things in football. So like, she gave me the book. And I'm like, wow, this is halftime. Like I got to go in the locker room. I've been in the locker room a long time because I have not been on the air forever. So I feel like I've been sitting in the locker room forever, but I got to strategize and figure it out. But that L is what took me to Oakland where my life completely turned around. I guess now what I'm saying is I realize that you just keep living, you just survive. And at some point you're going to thrive, but it's never over until your clock runs out. I see it so much now, even when I'm watching shows, these actors get fired or leave shows and then they come back like, five, six years later and they're like the biggest star. It's because it's not ever really over. It's just timing and seasons. And like, man, if you, if you could just like hang in there, if there's anybody who's like in the depths and the pit right now, because I felt like I was in the pit, Kiana. Like you mentioned hope. The mm-hmm. reason I left Chico is because I realized for the first time in my life at 28, I think I was at that time, 29, that I had lost hope. Hope. And even though I grew up in Del Paso Heights and they called it the deepest part of hell, I always had hope that there was something more for me. If I could just do what I needed to do to get out, I could make change and I could do this and this and this. They might have tried to oppress us and, you know, try to move the goalposts, but I was always with it. Like, you know what? Move that goalpost if you want to. I'm just going to come and kick my ball through that one too. But for the first time in my life, I felt hopeless. As my daddy put it, you gonna get up and leave the cheapest city in California to move to one of the most expensive? And I was like, daddy, I had a plan. Cause we tell these kids, and I say kids, but 20 something year olds, 18 year olds, have a plan and I'm not saying not to have a plan, but I had a plan. I worked my plan to a T. I mean, everything from internships. I had mapped out internships. Again, I'm a a Christ kid. So, you know, write the vision, make it plan. I have written it down what markets I wanted to go to. I had gone to the different markets that I wanted to be in. I had written them down. I made appointments with news directors saying, Hey, I'm going to be in town. Ma'am, you're not in town. You live in California and this market is Shreveport, Monroe and, uh, and Ruston. But I told, I was like, Oh, my cousins go to grandma. I'm in town. I made myself in town. So when I tell you I had a plan, I worked my plan, every internship, every job everything and then it all fell apart and went poof in my face and i was angry with god i'm gonna be very honest i was like god i didn't sleep with nba players when i worked in the nba i didn't sleep my way around to get on-air jobs i did everything right i'm even a virgin like what is this and i know performance-based faith is trash but i didn't know no better and i was just like All these people are thriving and I did everything right. And this is not fair. And I lost hope and I was mad with God and I was honest with God. And I was like, listen, this ain't working out. It's not fair. It's not right. Right. And everybody is watching me crumble. And I told people about my relationship with God and I've been a witness for it. I just, I was upset. I had had it. I was like, y'all can take all of this. I don't want it no more. Yeah. But I did. I got up and I moved to Oakland and my life turned around and it wasn't immediate. So for anybody who feels like they're in a pit and things are not working out, I can't tell you when. But I can tell you that it's going to work out for your good and it's going to turn around. And I remember there was a pastor in Sacramento who preached a sermon. He was talking about what happens when the plane is hovering and sees its yeah. landing spot, but the timing and how everything is about timing. And he was talking about how your blessing is just hovering, but it's got to find the right space and you got to be in the right position too. Mm-hmm. So that when mm-hmm. the plane Fast. lands, it hit the ground and we can move smoothly from there. And I was like, also, the other thing is we say, we've been indoors for a night, but joy comes. Comes in the morning not understanding that again not my words my pastor in long beach that's a season joy coming in the morning weeping and enduring for the night those are seasons that we're talking about yeah and so everything is about seasons some seasons we reap some seasons we sow some seasons we sow in tears some seasons we sow in gladness some seasons we, we reap in tears. There's been seasons in my life where I'm like, I'm feeling like I'm on top of the world, but emotionally I'm not. You know, it's just, just, right. just, sur- just survive it. At some point, you will thrive. I promise. Yes. <laughs> just yes. hang on.
1: So I didn't know I was going to have to pay you for coming through and preaching, right? Obviously, <laughs> <It's offering. laughs> yes. The offering plate is being passed around. So please, we like the kind that folds, not the kind that jingles. <laughs> jingles. but okay so clearly everybody knowing this everybody listening to this episode knows that I know you so I understand and have heard your journey and Every time I talk to you, I still feel like I get to learn new parts of like how all of this has affected you. But for those who are not aware, Charity was like all of us and was this brilliant kid who had this gift, who thought she would go one way, right? And like pursued her gifts and actually went into journalism, even
0: though, you know, she hated journalists. You know, I hated reporters. Yes. I hated reporters with a passion. (laughs) It just is what it is. (laughs) It is is what it
1: is. Went in that direction, leaned into that, and then had all of these beautiful things happen and then it all come crashing down. So that is the journey in which that she just took us through. A lot of you are going to look at Charity and you know her because you see her on television, but you cannot understand what it takes to get to that point without just sitting down and talking to her because you see this big, beautiful smile, this smile that lights up every room that she's a part of. And all of these things have happened. So I love... Talking to people like you because everybody just sees that reel, that Instagram post, that highlight Mm -hmm. of what has happened, and they don't know that journey, that process, and how you almost gave up.
0: Yeah. Oh, I you was... You could have given up. Listen, when I got laid off in 2008, I was like, okay, I have a degree in public relations. I'm yeah. good at it. I'm good at marketing. I can do this. My entire college career was all sports PR. I moved over into sports reporting and then got my first legit on-air job call letter CBS and NBC in Chico. That fell apart. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go ahead. When I moved to the Bay, started working in marketing and I thought I was done and that's what it was going to be. I was going to live there with my friends in Oakland And, you know, I had my man. It was a whole thing, and I was good. I was nice and happy. As soon as I went that route and stopped focusing on, you know, being a journalist, as soon as I was. Healed enough to watch the news. I couldn't watch the news forever, sis. Mm-hmm. It was and yeah, you know, know how I obsess about the news. Even though I'm <laughs> like, girl, did it y'all like of course Twitter and social media is a big part of like the way we send and receive messages now. So I've had to fall into that. But I am an old school 5 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> the news the is on. Day. Turn to the news. Watcher. <laughs> when I, even when I go to different cities, I watch the news in Brazil. I watched it in the DR. Like I I can't understand, but I want to see what your rundown now look like. You feel me? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like when, in your blood. Yeah. And so when I finally changed my focus, it came back. I literally got a call. They're like, hey, so um, a friend of a friend is an anchor over here and they need people. And I told them that you were over it. And I was like, oh, well, let me see if I still want this you know uh and along the way what i haven't said is that not only was it just a matter of losing my job uh it's me as a black woman as a big black woman as a fat black woman as a woman who has a personality that cannot be contained in a laugh that is jovial and big and i don't fit the cookie cutter news anchor news reporter box of old now that's changed right. a lot
1: yeah and the conversation sure. in
0: 2013 when they asked me to come back that news director said to me because he's he'd known me since i was in my 20s he said you know the way social media has changed television it's right for you hmm. and i was like oh so for the first time I don't have to be something else that I'm not I could mm-hmm. just be me yeah people really want authentic people now they just they want to see well okay I get to be myself so I went I was working in marketing at Verizon for five days a week and I would drive up to Sacramento or to Stockton to do Good Day Sacramento and I was home too because Sacramento was home and that show launched when I was a freshman in high school so I grew up watching that show and wanting to be on that show and so to mm-hmm. come home and even as a freelancer appear on that show was so full circle for me it was amazing but it Again, it's me, this little girl from Del Paso Heights, the deepest part of hell, who hates reporters because these reporters from these news stations come to my neighborhood and come to neighborhoods like Strawberry Manor's and they make up their own narrative of us. That's why I didn't like reporters. So for anybody who heard that and like kind of hit you wrong, that's why. (laughs) Yeah, Because they didn't come into my neighborhood to tell the story. They came in to tell the story that they were given or the preconceived ideas that they had of us, that's what they told. And so I I hated it. And my grandmother is one that was like, well, you can change that. And I was like, I hate reporters. I'm not gonna be ba 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 dee be And my grandmother also said to me, cause she, she told me I should be a sports broadcaster. She was really into basketball. My dad was really into football and I'm just ba 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 all the things I'm not gonna do. And she said, you know what? Die. My family caused me die. When I was coming along, women couldn't be on TV. That hit different. Mm. That hit very different. Because see, when I was coming along, we had Oprah and maybe a random Black, Asian, or Latina on. <laughs> right? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And there was a handful. You were lucky if you were one of those at one of the four stations. Now... I'm looking at it and I'm going, Mm -hmm. my nieces tell people my aunt is on TV. We've come so far, right? From where my grandmother didn't know women on TV (laughs) yeah, to being one or two in the market to my nieces being like, yeah, that's normal to them, you know? Yeah. And it's so to be
1: able to see how far we've come, mm-hmm. you know, me and my grandma were just talking about that.
0: Yeah. But also if I had stopped, then what, you know? And so when I was laid yes. off and I couldn't find a new job and I was too big and too black and too fat and laughed too loud and blah, 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 blah. If I had succumbed to that, cause I tried to change. I've tried to change in relationships with men. I've tried to change in television. That don't work. It doesn't work. I tried. well I'm not gonna I'm gonna act like I don't know this much about sports I'm gonna not laugh as loud I'm gonna try to be like so-and-so who Mm. has a blonde bob cut that ain't you sis and also like what does the how does that serve you or your viewers or your family or anybody for that matter like it just doesn't it's silly facts but here we are
1: yeah here the heck we are you have so many incredible things happening for you Um, right now. And even through our pain, we are able to create things that can like change the way that we see the world. And one of the most Mm -hmm. impactful things this year is that I got to be a part of your producing of Girl, We Need to Talk. And Girl, Mm -hmm. We Need to Talk was literally a vision that you got from God Mm-hmm. And birth from your pain and an opportunity for you. I feel like I don't know, you are a giver, right? Naturally. So you were delivering this information, but I know a lot of it was like, I gotta get this off of me. Mm-hmm. And I also wanna like make change at the same time. Yeah. So what sort of led you to say, I'm gonna make this web series and we're gonna talk very candidly about grief?
0: Yeah. And we get into it too. We we yeah. we don't hold anything back. We're very transparent. Uh, my father died in 2018 a lot of people don't know we were estranged from him at that time and it's shocking to people because i'm such a daddy's girl and Mm -hmm. even being around me like people didn't know that he wasn't really around but that's because he left so much with us i think right and i know for me in particular i still had hope that he'd come to his senses and figure it out Anyway, we got word that he was sick and we were able to be with him uh, the few months leading up to him dying in 2018. And my equilibrium was just off. Like he was such a force in my life and a force to be reckoned with in the world. And I just was like, wow, how do I do this? And I know other people and you know, who have lost parents. My best friend lost his dad. I walked with him through that. My really good friend, some of them you meet on the show, lost parents and I was there with them through that, but it was just different. It just hits different when it hits home. And so one night I was in bed and I was like, Lord, I was like, Right in the thick of my grief, I was like, Lord, there's got to be some purpose in this pain. Because what I know about my relationship with God, again, it's all (laughs) memory, right? It's like every time something has gone south, it picks up. And when it picks up, the bad things, the hard things, the hurtful things are where I found clarity. And I'm like. Laying in this pool of tears, like, Lord, there's got to be some purpose in this. And I don't know what it is, because also to find purpose in death and something that's so painful is even yeah. hard to fathom. Right. Like, right. what? Right. And so last September, I woke up in the middle of the night, like I sat up in bed and I keep a pen and pad next to me in my drawer. And I just woke up and I wrote down ideas for something that I thought would be a podcast. And then I brought it to you. <laughs> And we talked through it and we talked through it and we talked through it and how do we do it and what does it look like and blah, blah, blah. And finally it hit me in May. I was like, duh, a web series because hello, you do television now. (laughs) People take, you know, but it was just more so the fact that like I've always been the girl who hung out with the fellas and my fellas, they ride for me. They have my back. But in that particular season of life, I mean, in general, this particular season, my girls were like the ones who just like came through and held me up. And we all have so many stories to tell surrounding grief, surrounding our life journeys, surrounding mental health and how we take care of ourselves and our families. And so I just felt it was important to tell the conversation. And you're correct, Tiana. I didn't realize until the day we were taping, which is a duh also, that mm-hmm. this project that started off as a passion project is really a part of my grieving process. And I just want people to know that it's okay. You don't have to hide. You don't have to hide it. You know, like grief is a very real thing. And it's not just surrounding the death of loved ones. It's, we grieve so many things that we don't even think about. The expectations, marriage, divorce, childbirth. Not being able to have a child. There's so many things that we grieve, especially as women. And I just wanted to create a space where we could come together (sighs) and just breathe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do it. Of course, you know, COVID-19 has come in and just flipped the world on its head. So initially I had planned on doing it like the way me and my girls do it in the living room with some wine and candles. You know, it's it's a girl. I got a new boo. It's a girl. I broke up with this so and so. It's a, they trying me at work. It's a I don't know what I'm gonna do. It's a so and so died, or my mom. You know what we do when we come into my space at least. Sometimes we cook, most times we're drinking. We laugh, we talk, we cry, we dance, we twerk, we do it again, it's like on repeat. And so when people Mm -hmm. hear grief, they automatically like tense up because they think it's gonna be heavy. And there are heavy moments in the show because life is heavy, especially now. But we kind of take you through the range of emotions because as women, we multitask well and our emotions do too, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's just a space. Where we can have open honest transparent conversation it's been a lot of work um mm-hmm. but yeah. it's it's worth the work you know i agree i agree
1: even something you were just saying just now fits back into like some current conversation that I'm having in my head about how shame people have, especially women, especially Black women. And we kind of talked about this before. It's like, you can meet somebody and you're like, what are you carrying? Like, I can tell you're carrying something. Like, mm-hmm. even in some of our small mannerisms or like how we might act a little timid or not, or how we might be super snappy. And it's like all these things that people are carrying and they don't know, like, if you just let that ch- go... <laughs> Mm -hmm. like one you're going to feel better and then two the person next to you who you don't know that one person that caught that attitude at you is probably going through the exact same thing Mm -hmm. and so you can learn from each other and Mm -hmm. and heal with one another so I think that's one of the the biggest things that I've, like, taken away from your series and that I love so much is, like, how the people walk away saying, oh, my God, we're one and the same. Like, the daddy's yeah. girls, the women walked away like, okay, like, I don't want to hang up the phone. Because, like, yeah. even though we're talking about the most traumatic thing that happened in our life, mm-hmm. we somehow feel very connected through this experience. And you get me.
0: You see me. Mm-hmm, and you understand me. And honestly, Kiana, that's all we really want is to be understood, to be heard, right? That's have a face to be seen right I find it so beautiful that whether on a video conference call or a party or in my living room I have so many amazing women in my life from different parts of the world and they can come together and boom you think they're old friends and people go wait they just met I'm like yeah bro they just met but it's because (laughs) we all have similar spirits but to your point about Healing. See everybody talks about healing and it's it's like so you know buzzwordish now. Yeah. Healing is hard. It is. You gotta go down into the depths of the depths of your soul and start pulling back layers of childhood trauma and daddy issues Girl. and mama issues and hood trauma and PTSD, the, the post-traumatic slave disorder, it, generations of all this stuff just to get to you. And then once you get to you, you like, oh, that's a whole new thing I got to pull back. And uh-huh. that's why we started the series with therapy, because I understand that therapy is a privilege for a lot of us. But there are resources, free resources. When you are ready to do the work, the resources are there. And I say when you're ready to do the work, because you can have the money and you could, in your mind, be ready to go. But I know some people who have told me, like, yeah, I just go and I sit there. So you're not ready to
1: actually make change.
0: (laughs) Well, I've had a therapist tell me, like, that she deals with people where they're at. And she told me I have clients who come and sit here the first two or three sessions. So we just sit here. Cause they got to warm up into it. Everybody's style is different, right? And everybody's starting point is different. So for me, I was like, well, my daddy died. I've been waiting for it. I'm fine. And she was like, okay, girl. I was not fine. Everybody knew I wasn't fine except me. And then it hit me. You're not fine. Cause also what happens is if you don't deal with your grief or you don't deal with your pain, it spills smack out, you down. it pours out <laughs> and it smacks down the people around you. You know what I mean? It's just, especially now, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, <sighs> this election has been out of control and it still ain't over. Like this is like the election hangover nightmare. <laughs> Oh my God. It's supposed to be over two days after it's over. This dude is like go kick and scream his way out the White House and like kill some more people in the process because he still don't want to take measures against COVID. It's so much that we're dealing with on top of like who we are and our own stuff. Mm -hmm. But I want us to know it's okay to be like, I ain't okay. This is not cool. I'm not cool. And to take the measures to fix it, if and when you can. And I say that because, again, like, I know some people are parents, y'all homeschooling, got the virtual mm-hmm. learning going, you trying to work from home. You doing all of these things, and you got little Miss Single over here telling you, girl, you need to go to therapy and take time to yourself. And you like, when? Would you like for me to schedule that? So I get it. I get it. Yeah. I'm saying when you can, it's an investment that's worth it because you're worth it. Yes.
1: I would even go to bat to say that everybody is responsible for their individual health. And a lot of times When we hear that, we think like, okay, I'm eating and I'm sleeping, but we don't think about like the mental health. And what ends up happening, this is another one of those things like people don't tell you when you are a kid, but I also understand why that one person went what we call crazy. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? It's that what you don't address and put out of your body, it is going to take over. And so it'll show up. Yeah, it'll address you. So, like, I saw somebody was just talking about if you don't heal your childhood traumas, like, it's going to erupt in a relationship and I've seen that happen to myself personally like I think that I'm a fantastic person and I am right but it's like you don't even know how these things will affect you and how it will also affect your relationships with other people so so Girl, you see people I've been in these cycles like a mug mm-hmm. you see these cycles of people doing the same thing why they dating the same kind of person this lady done got married three times and it's like because you are not taking the time to stop and think about how vital it is to just take care of your mental health and figure out the why why do I yeah. act like this why do I process it in this way and so that is just so so important but we don't talk about that at all. This should be a whole, like, in the ninth grade, you take a class. In the tenth grade, you take a class. Shit, in the fifth grade, you take a class. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, we didn't talk about mental and emotional health. We went to church. Okay. Come on now. And so, now, churches are talking about mental and emotional health. Some churches offer those services. I know the Way Christian Center, a church that I attended in Berkeley, they have therapy sessions and therapists available who do, you know, discounted rates because it's important. God gave us the education and Mm -hmm. the therapist just like he gave us the doctor and if your knee is busted well i would say you ain't going to ignore it but i know people who would but you would go to the (laughs) er wrap it up bro no, go right. to the no. hospital. Go, your knee is hanging out. Your heart is wounded and bruised. You have suffered so much trauma. Mm. You need to go and peel back those layers. Because we, we've we bandaged our hearts so many times, but they're still just bleeding. You, mm-hmm. you got to go in there and cut those bandages and do real surgery. And uh, you mentioned in relationships, girl, that whole thing. The thing is, people think, oh, you're a daddy's girl, so you don't have daddy issues. No, you still have daddy issues. Because even as a daddy's girl, you realize that you're a dad is your hero, then you get to a point where you realize, no, no, he's your hero. He's a man, he's a husband. Yes. I saw these pieces of him as a man. I just didn't know what to do with them. And they show up in like tiny areas. So one time I was on a date with a man and we were headed somewhere and I gave him the wrong directions. And he had to swerve and I was like, now I've never been in a relationship with a man that has like cussed me out or fussed me out for moving the wrong way or doing the wrong thing. But my dad was like that, my mom. Mm. And I was like, Charity, why are you so and then relieved that he's patient? Well, I was glad to see that he's patient and that he's kind when he's frustrated because that's important. But why is that so important to you? And why were you so triggered? I had to go back and think on that. Why is it? Because when my mom made a mistake or when something happened, my daddy would be fussing cussing calling names and you're like bro it was a simple mistake i told you to turn right and we supposed to go left it's a saturday we ain't got nowhere else to be why are you Mm -hmm. tripping like that but that had nothing to do with him because he responded nothing he did go girl you know but he wasn't (laughs) he was frustrated but he handled me kindly and with care he was just like okay stop let's find the direction so i can see him too and then i had to tell him you have to be patient with me because i'm not accustomed to being the passenger i typically drive and then that's a whole nother thing i have to address yep. letting go Ooh,
1: not you having miss- control
0: mm-hmm. right yes. like oh okay and also i'm very single because i've been very single for a very long time so me too girl vice president and president <laughs> I don't even really know how to do this anymore. But it's coming to a point where you're vulnerable enough to say that and being with a partner who is open enough to hear it and receive it.
1: Mm Yeah, honey listen yeah i was just talking to a young lady today and she said you know our ancestors did so much to help us get to the point of survival and now we're at the point in which we're learning how to thrive and so we have these moments like our generation has these moments of like all right we went to school we did the thing we got the job and now it's like when it all falls down you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah yeah so now what um and and now i did what they said and i'm not satisfied and yes
0: or (laughs) Um, i'm not satisfied or it's not what what i thought it would be those expectations because they only gave us their highlight reel too we didn't see Mm -hmm. i I said to to a friend we were having a group discussion one time and she was talking about the beauty of her grandparents relationship and i said Baby. But have you ever asked your grandmother? See, because you idolize your grandpa because he's grandpa. Did you, but have you ever asked your grandmother her side of things? What does she have to give up for this family? How was your granddaddy cutting up? See, because I know, here's the thing. I love my daddy. I cannot say that enough. But if my daddy was my man, I would drive that red car through the house and remind (laughs) him who I am but we don't want to see them in their humanity and all of them in their full package. So I asked her, well, uh-huh. have you, cause you say you want a relationship like your old school, my granddaddy did this and my grand, did you ever ask your grandmother her side of the story? She raised the kids and she did this and she did that. What did she have to give up? All that, correct. How did she feel? Was your, because your granddaddy is a man, what was he doing? What did she have to put up with for how long? See, cause we meet them at, whatever age we were born into, right? That some 50, Correct. 60, whatever. Correct. Some of them, so them we lived only, a whole nother life since They then. were us and they've learned. <laughs> yes. Like my, So my dad used to say this one too. My dad gave a lot of gems that were so simple and you'd be like, huh? It made sense and didn't make sense. And as an adult, they like hit me in the back of the head. And I'm seeing it unfold as I'm reaching for you. My dad used to say, well, young men become old men. Now, that meant a few different things. Mm-hmm. It meant... like somebody was still cutting up and they 50 and he'd be like yeah well young fools become old fools and you're like well i see that play out as we're 40 and you still want to be at the bar with 25 year olds who ain't got nothing to offer you and ain't really worried about you young men become old men we'd see somebody who was a knucklehead and they were like thriving and doing all these great things in the community It's about transitions and how you transition and how you don't. Well, granddaddy was a whole man before you even came into play. A man who met your grandmama and was trying to figure it out too while they dated. You saw bliss in their 70s and 80s but you never asked your grandmama. And so I realized she wasn't ready to have that conversation because of her response, so I let it go and I went the other way. But her response was, no, why do I need to? Because your grandmother is a woman too. Mm, Your grandmother is you. You see what you see as their grandchild. You idolize your grandfather and you idolize your grandmother, but talk to your grandmother as a woman and then come come back and talk to you. You mentioned all of the things that we are doing now that the generation before us didn't do. We're also giving that to our children. I watch my sister with her kids. We talk about their feelings. And my mom was very good about that occasionally. She was still old school with the whole like, remember one time she told me, you don't have no nerves. And I was like, you don't have, I was like, what? They are getting on my nerves. I said what I said. I said what I said. That's why I got popped in the mouth, but I said it. But we have conversations with our children. We're trying to raise boys who become men with emotional intelligence. That can handle and deal with these emotionally intelligent women. Exactly. We're Mm -hmm. teaching them to be vulnerable. A lot of us are. Some of us are still wrapped up in misogyny and patriarchy, and that's a whole different thing. But some of us are intentional about not telling our boys they need to be men and not telling them that they can't cry and not calling our little girls bossy and telling them that they're leaders and telling them to speak up and when somebody talks over you you tell them to be quiet but we're also talking to them about their mental health kids get mental health days now I remember when I was in college I babysat these kids and he was like I'm having a mental health day and I was like oh what you need that it's
1: <laughs> but think about but they it do. but think about it now because we just talked about this the other day we think these kids don't know what they're talking about we think these kids are not listening we think these kids are not processing
0: they're well they aware are
1: they're very well aware. And they really don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And then as adults- Because we were, were also them. Trying, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. We yeah. were them. We weren't stupid, Kiana. We were like, hmm, so-and-so did so-and-so. And now, oh, and they talk around us and over us. But the whole time, my godmom's daddy used to say, I'm going to put something on tape right quick. And he, that just meant he was going to say something in front of me. Mm. Because he knows kids are little tape recorders. <laughs> we take it all in, even if we don't tell you- You know what I mean? And then I'm riding down the road and I'm having a moment of
1: like, I remember when I was young and -and so-and-so happened and -and so-and-so said this. And yeah,
0: just, yeah. That baby needed that mental health day. (laughs) (laughs) That baby needed that mental health day. I just wasn't there yet. I was young and like 20. I didn't get it. I was like, oh, you do? Okay. Because what problems you got? But- He had some problems he needed to sort out and his mom was open enough to give him his mental health day. Look at God.
1: But it's a process and I'm glad to see that so many of us are like willing and trying to move, even if it's a step or inch forward that we are. I don't even know how we hit that tangent, but I know that you all will grab something from that because it all came together. Whatever it was, it came together.
0: Well, the thing is, the ladies on my show, Girl, We Need to Talk, come from so many different backgrounds, walks of life. Mm-hmm. We start and end the series with therapy because mental and emotional health is like the basis and the foundation of all of it. But my sisters, one of them is married with children. The other is married but lost my dad young. Some of my girlfriends are in their early 30s. Some are in their late 40s, about to approach you know, their 50s. We're all career women. Some of them are moms, some of them are wives. We're all trying to figure it out. And we come together to talk about all of it. Mm -hmm. And our conversations go like this. And that's the whole point is that we start (laughs) all connected and we're all connected. And so Mm -hmm. I just wanted to bring us into a space where we could connect. And also we connect, but we connect the dots on our hardship, our trauma, our grief, our happiness, our joy, our hopes, our dreams. One of the conversations I had with the three of you about healing our invisible wounds you're from cross south carolina Amber's Stand from southern up. california miami southern california all over the place amber you know moved around we're kids from alabama and her adult home is atlanta you've met each other in different spaces briefly but to come together and have stories that intersect i mean we're all just doing life and we're on the journey and figuring it out
1: Absolutely. So for those who are listening and through the project and the work that you've done, and especially now in this trying year where, you know, we were just talking about somebody saying, if I sit in my silence too long, all of the things are going to come. What is one thing that you would challenge the Nugichi guests to do in this year to close out the tragedy that has been 2020?
0: Sit in it. I challenge you to sit in it. And I use the word challenge because it's not easy. As I've been peeling back my layers, it's brought me to different points in my journey. And one of those points has been uh, the fact that I elected to have the gastric sleeve, a bariatric surgery. Mm -hmm. And in this time, I can't do nothing that I used to do. I can't eat it away, I can't drink it away. We can't party, so I can't kick it with friends. I've literally sat in my condo. We stopped production in march and started back up and i had surgery in may i'm now tiptoeing back out into the world but i did not have anything to do but sit in it and the gift of silence dawned on me one day like charity you want to be in a relationship you want all of these things but you're always so busy you got to get down to the heart of the matter because the weight that i was wearing i'm now lost about 102 pounds but the weight that i was wearing was just (laughs) <laughs> thank you the weight that i was wearing though was emotional baggage so people mm-hmm. see me and i tell them but there's been such a transformation of my heart so if you can sit in your silence i challenge you to do so even if it's for like 10 15 minutes 20 minutes write in your journal turn on your music i'd t- mm-hmm. i would take baths just because i just needed to sit in it because until you sit in it And feel it, you can't release it. And again, it's hard. That's why I say I challenge you to do it. And if you have a therapist, they can guide you through it. It's not something, because people always say, I'm doing it myself. You can't do this work yourself, boo. Yeah, because if you you wouldn't be here, it wouldn't be there. (laughs) It would be gone already. (laughs) Yeah, right. And so now you add the layers of coronavirus and unemployment and job Mm -hmm. loss and 45 not wanting to leave and all the messaging. it just, it's, it's all so much in addition to what we already came into the world with. Yeah. I challenge you to sit in it, to pull it back, talk about it. If you have friends and family that you can lean in on, do that. If you don't find some type of support group, there are spaces online even on social media my bariatric spaces have really helped me a lot because they get it i have a strong support system but y'all don't understand you know weight loss surgery and all the things that are happening with my body you have been supportive and you help me you talk to me through it but like you don't do not know your body isn't doing that you know and again there's so much happening my body is changing but emotionally i'm changing my heart is changing my mind is changing there's there's so much work happening and it's all brought me to this point of being able to share my heart as a result and so again if you can use this time to do that at the beginning we were like oh what's everybody come out with a project what if your project was just your heart project and you just sat in it the last eight months baby come out with a plan my plan is to be healthier than i was to be happy and to be whole And what if the gift of the shutdown and the lockdown and silence is that you get to be a better you at the end? That's it. Facts. This is funny. Just keep living. The
1: last comparison that I have for today is I see why that one cousin that you love like started wearing crystals and Egyptian musk and and burning candles. Like I understand how that
0: person becomes that person now <laughs> i'm becoming that auntie girl i went and bought two plants the other day so I got the stage the palo santo i be doing the new the moon rituals like and it's not demonic stop that i'm yes. like i had told somebody recently i'm like i walk around my condo saging and praying to the lord right. stop it ain't no different god it's the same one it's jesus i believe in jesus i ain't calling down some random i'm calling on the name of jesus God I'm just staging right. I'm just staging it, cleansing the space while I do it. Now, come on now. Stop it. But yeah, I got some crystals and all that too. And you understand <laughs> that because they was the weird one back then. And now you're the like, weird what? one. Now I see why sis is exactly that way. Right. No. And you'd be like, We thought she was weird. Nah, sis was healing. Y'all weird cause y'all are still traumatized. <laughs> I- X, normalize the crystal cousin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I am going to write a book about all the things that I just when I just couldn't understand but after living a little while I can understand completely how these things happen. And so mm-hmm. I want everybody listening to like literally look at your life. I think it's important what Charity has said and um, probably not said as directly. as like you got to stop and you got to reflect to see how far you have actually come because it is in those lessons that you're able to continue to even move forward. And we talk about wanting freedom and wanting all these things. You have so much intel that you can lean on, but you got to stop. You got to look back. You got to heal it all up so that you can press forward and be stronger, wiser, better, greater.
0: Bigger. As I look back over my life, I can see how your love has guided me. Even when I'm done wrong, you have never left me alone, but you forgave me and you kept on blessing. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It's because of your mercy, we are not consumed. <laughs> listen, this is the whole thing. I didn't know you didn't know this song, babe. Girl, listen, that's listen. one of them old school. That's the, you have been so faithful. Great yes. is thy faithfulness. Great yes. is thy faith.
1: So I already know what's gonna happen when we get out this conversation. You finna go into your gospel music bag. So, how can everybody get connected with you and be able to watch Girl We Need to Talk? This incredible web series that you put together.
0: I am Miss Charity Bailey on every social media platform. And uh Girl We Need to Talk airs on YouTube. So new episodes air every Wednesday, but we have several episodes that are live now, especially as we go through the holidays. I hope that our conversations help you find some hope that you can use them as a resource to make it through your waves of grief throughout the holidays. So when you go to YouTube, you can also find me at Miss Charity Bailey.
1: Absolutely. Ms. Charity Bailey across the whole gamut. Thank you so much again. Yeah. This is taking us a little while longer
0: than I had anticipated, but who cares? All good. We're here. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. Thank you for your platform, shining a light on Black professionals, on Geechee culture in all things kiana Oh God, <laughs> you're, you're amazing and i appreciate you my friend <laughs> no
1: prob bob and that's the podcast folks if you enjoyed what you listened to today make sure that you head on over to the apple podcast app and show some love your reviews mean the world to us and they help us to climb the podcast charts and help more people get to see the mission of the nugichi podcast And if you aren't already, make sure that you head on over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, like us, follow us, and engage with us. And we just cannot wait to have you join us for another episode. Remember that there is power in connecting the culture. Y'all be good. No, be great.